0: Welcome to the Engaging Missions Show, where we discover God's glory in what He's doing around the world. Each week, we hear from missionaries, ministry leaders, church planters, and disciple-makers as they share about God's work in their lives and ministries. Welcome to the Engaging Missions Show. I'm your host, Brian Ensminger, and this week we're talking with Troy Cooper. While we were talking, we discussed a number of things that I thought were great, and I wanted to let you know just a little bit about a few of them up front. We talked about a ministry that Troy was involved with that looked great on the outside, but lacked one key thing that God revealed to him. And while we talked about that, we also talked about what that did and how it's transformed Troy's ministry. We also talked about some cool things that are happening with Troy's children, and also an opportunity that people who are called into the marketplace have that's different than those who are called into vocational ministry. The show notes for today's episode will be at engagingmissions.com slash troy cooper or slash fifty eight, as in episode fifty eight. And with that, we'll go ahead and get right into the episode. All right, let's get started. I am just so excited to have Troy Cooper on the line with me today. In fact, we've been chatting now for a few minutes before we got started with this, and I would love to share with all of you everything that we talked about. But to get that kind of interaction, you're going to need to connect with somebody like Troy personally, because these, those are the kinds of interactions that come out of connecting with somebody one-on-one. I would like to tell you a little bit about Troy, though. He lives with his wife and children in an area of Florida where 96% of the people have been unreached by the gospel. He's a trainer who's passionate about multiplying healthy disciples in churches, and like we were chatting about, he also has an amazing beard. Okay, <laughs> Troy, I've given just a little tiny bit of an introduction. Can you take just a minute or so and tell us a little bit more about yourself and your ministry so we can get to know you more personally?
1: Yeah, thanks, Brian. Um, well, to start off, I am uh, happily married to my wife Rachel. Uh, we've been married for 16 years now, and uh, we met at Liberty University. Um, she grew up on the mission field in Japan, and um, we have been blessed with six incredible, adventurous children. Our youngest is six months, and our oldest is 11. And uh, we have been—we're um, very passionate about doing ministry as a family, uh, including you know all the kids. And um, my background, I'm originally from Indianapolis, grew up there, and served in student ministries for about 12 years. And then the Lord called us uh, out of uh, local church ministry into um, a pioneering missions role. He led us over to to Japan, where we trained some missionaries and local pastors, Japanese pastors, in, um, in a process that they could use to... Just strive to obey the Great Commission and a strategy that set out to multiply disciples and churches. And and while we were there, uh, God broke our hearts for lostness and redirected us back to the lesser reached parts of the United States. And ultimately led us through uh, invitation by a local church here down to South Florida, where it's ninety six percent unchurched. But um, in that time in Japan, uh, not only did He break our hearts for lostness, but really revealed to us. Um, that he wanted to use our children. And uh, so that's something we've continued to learn here uh, down in South Florida and as we do ministry here in the U.S.
0: That's good. Now as we get into this, uh, can you share I'd like to hear a little bit about mindset or motivation, and usually what I do is try and focus on maybe a motivational quote or some kind of key scripture that is mm-hmm. kind of operates as the mooring or the, the direction in your life. Do you have one of those you can share with us?
1: Yeah, I do. Um, we were mentored and trained by some missionaries who multiplied movements in Southeast Asia. Uh, they were missionaries that served, uh, that our church supported when I was a youth pastor. And so this man uh, mentored and trained me in one of the, I guess I would say the life verse um, that he passed on to us has been our, become our, our vision as Malachi 111, and uh, where God makes his promise that his name is going to be great among the nations. And so we we remind ourselves of that promise, no matter what our eyes see or our ears here. God, God's promise is that He's going to make His name great among the nations, including here. So right. that's kind of a, a, a verse that that's we're motivated by what God's motivated by, and that's His name being made great, His glory.
0: Oh, that's good. As we get into this, what I'd like to start with, as we start talking, focusing on God's story in your life, is I'd like to hear about a time when you were facing a significant challenge or a failure, maybe it doesn't necessarily have to be a personal failure or something like that. But one of the things I find connects us is that common struggle that, you know, as we look around, it can feel like everybody else, everybody else's life looks like it looks like on Facebook where everybody's, you know, it's puppies and rainbows and unicorns. And that's not reality. And we don't learn anything by seeing that kind of thing. What we learn is seeing God in those struggles. Can you share one of those with us?
1: Oh, man. Yeah, we, uh, we we joke within our network that we're constantly failing forward. Um, yeah, I, I would say probably the mo- one of the most significant times uh, where we really felt like we were were failing uh, was a turning point in our lives, um, and uh, that's I was over on a mission trip in, in Laos and um, saw the fruit of what God was was doing there, and you know we had had this student ministry program that um, we felt like was successful, and we saw teenagers graduating from high school, going off into college, and continuing to walk with the Lord and stay involved in the church. And um, But as we saw the, the impact of the gospel there, of lives being transformed and communities being transformed, I was, I was deeply convicted that I was not making disciples. Uh, we were not seeing any impact on lostness. And it brought me to a point of of repentance. I mean, it was like a crisis moment for me in uh, in ministry, and just feeling like an extreme uh, failure in, uh, in in twelve years of ministry. And um, but the Lord was gracious, and um, you know, fallen repentance was um, just a clarity on what He was calling us to do. And. Um, so we're able to, to go back, but at that time just felt like an extreme failure in what we were doing because we didn't know of anybody else um, in the same boat as us at that time and, and just had to really rely on him through that. Um, so I guess I reached a, a point of crisis like, man, I've had 12 years of looking back on what I thought was success was 12 years of failure um, mm-hmm. in obedience to Jesus um, that the Lord revealed, man, no, that um, this is the, this is, I want you to obey me in this way, and, and um, it's it's been incredible to follow him.
0: Okay, you now that what you shared about having no impact on lostness that's not that's not a phrase I've heard before, mm-hmm. and especially as it relates to a ministry that we might think of as being successful in terms of the the metrics, if you will, that you talked about. Can you share with us what you mean when you say no impact on lostness?
1: Yeah, well, um, we didn't see anyone that we knew of through our our ministry. Hear the gospel and come to faith in Jesus. Um, We didn't hear of any of our disciples, you know, the students that were coming through our ministry. We didn't hear any of them, find that any of them had turned around and and led someone to Christ and, and discipled them. So I would say we inherited some disciples that we stewarded, but we failed to make disciples. So we didn't, we didn't, we saw almost no impact on lostness in our community.
0: Wow, that's that's a powerful statement. Thank you for sharing with us and for being that transparent. With that, I do want to go ahead and go all the way to the other end of the spectrum, because mm-hmm. just like we all have these moments of challenge or failure, we also have these times in our lives when God reveals something to us, whether it's what we would think of as a shaft of light experience, mm-hmm. or perhaps God revealing something to us over time, and as we look back, we begin to see that transition that He's been leading yeah. us through. Can you yeah. share with us one of those aha moments or moments of revelation
1: <laughs> um yeah i mean i i think it's tied in with the failure <laughs> the yeah. failure one um that was a huge transition for us where we knew god was calling us to um to make disciples and um that he had given us a clear strategy and then it was a matter of, of just of stepping out in obedience. And from that moment on, we, we have not wavered in that and just an affirmation of um, you know, there's all these things that you can that you can know and all these different ways of, of doing ministry, but the, the center point was God advancing His kingdom. Um, and I, I think the aha moment after obedience to Jesus was discovering, how much lostness there was around us and that was a key point in japan you know just being immersed in you know 99.6 was where the stat where we're at in japan just there's just lostness all around us and how god does care about that um you know clearly i mean the whole story of the bible is 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 god bringing us back to himself and in Second Corinthians five, uh, we see clearly um, in verses seventeen to twenty-one that that God is reconciling the world to Himself, and that He wants to use uh, ambassadors with a ministry and a message to make His appeal. And so, I think being confronted with with the reality of lostness um, was was a, a an aha moment for us. Uh, and then seeing um, the importance of not only us engaging lostness, but trying to, to help equip other believers to obey Jesus in that way and, and engage lostness. And discovering, as they did that, um, you know, engaging lostness isn't the only part of Christianity, but, it, but it's a part of it. And uh, as they did that, seeing, you know, us ourselves experiencing the joy of letting God use us in that way, but but then to be equip others to do the same thing was incredible, and and watching new uh, believers, new disciples, uh, be used by God immediately uh, was was just was incredible. So yeah, I would say that shab- that that moment of being confronted with lostness, seeing uh, God's passion to uh, glorify Himself by reaching lostness, and watching Him use others um, was an aha moment for us
0: is there anything that you do or try to remind yourself perhaps to keep you connected with that lostness without, without keeping Christ front and center? In other words, not allowing that lostness to replace Christ's place in your life, but also not being disconnected from it.
1: Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, because, uh, (laughs) we are, we are so burdened for lostness. Um, but, you know, a, a few things in our life, just as far as daily disciplines, is that we, individually and as a family, we, we spend time abiding in Christ in the morning. Um, and uh, we spend time, you know, in the scriptures together every morning the of a discipline of reading two chapters in the morning. And so we start off our day by just abiding in Him. He's the center point. And, um, but then, you know, we... Um, you know, so that motivates our, our our mission of just abiding in Him. But then we're also, as a family, uh, we commit every day to go and prayer walk in our community, and um, even if it's just 15 minutes, we're out there, uh, we're engaged with people, and uh, a lot of the activities that we're involved in, um, you know, through our kids, our kids are involved in public school, so we're very connected with with lostness in our community, and um, you know, we fill our calendar um, with. Just being around lost people, um, we part of our strategy is that we we take people out and and uh, we go from from house to house and, and offering to pray for people, and I think praying for for lostness um, helps us um, connect with them and and really discover where are people out. It's one thing to read a statistic, but when you're actually out in the community, whether it's you know publicly. Uh, you know, downtown engaging people are going door to door that as you uh, ask to, to pray for them, um, you, you figure out where they're at. And as you engage them, you're really learning about lostness in your community. And you can't, I mean, if you, you can't help but, you know, but love them and, uh, and learn about them.
0: Very cool. With with that, I would like to go ahead and move to the present day. So we've heard a little bit about some challenges and a moment of revelation, and thanks so much for taking the time to share with us what you do to kind of keep yourself connected. What mm-hmm. I'd like to hear about now is maybe something that's going on in the ministry, perhaps something that you have that's uh, really exciting you right now, maybe something that you see coming down the pike in the future.
1: Mm. Yeah, Brian, um, we really, we strive to um, obey Jesus' Great Commission as much as possible, and We've we found that the, the best way to do that is to, um, to engage two fronts. We consider there are two fronts to our ministry. And uh, on one front, we have uh, lostness that we go after, and um, we share the gospel. And if they want to follow Jesus, we, we engage them. Um, but on the other half, and so we're seeing exciting things as far as... Um, you know, as we're down here in this 96% in church region, we're amazed at, at how many people are interested in hearing about Jesus, how many people are interested in, in, in studying the Bible, um, and, and how people will turn around and, and invite their friends. Um, just the other day, um, we, by God's grace, were provided uh, after 15 months of prayer with uh, a vehicle. And, um, you know, God provided to the dollar what we needed for this new vehicle. And um, the the man I bought the vehicle from was, uh, was an atheist, and, you know, he said he grew up in communist Russia, and so uh, we had asked, you know, as we're literally making the transaction, my wife asked, you know, do you have any spiritual beliefs? And uh, he had said, you know, well, no, I grew up in communism, I'm an atheist. And, you know, obviously it's like, okay, that question's there. We, we need to share the gospel with this man. But in my heart, I'm thinking there's no way this guy's going to want to hear this. We're picking a fight. But as, as we began to share, he stopped us and he said he called his, all of his these people. He's paying money to work for him. He called them all in, even the repair guys, to come in, including a customer there to buy the car, to hear the message of Jesus that we were about to share with him. So those kind of things um, are, 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 of course, are very encouraging, exciting. In that, you know, as you engage losses, you'd assume, okay, people don't want to hear this. You know, they're not interested, but that's just not true. They, they are very interested to hear. Um, Ed Stetzer, in his book Lost and Found, uh, reported that among lost people who would not go to church, that 61% of them would be interested in studying the Bible with a friend, and then 89%. Of lost people who will not go to church in the U.S., 89% would listen to someone tell them about their faith. So what we need to learn from that is that, you know, people may not be interested in going to a church or a church-related event, but they are interested in Jesus, and uh, and they are interested in hearing the gospel, so we need to get out there and, and share with them. Um, the other side of our, our ministry is um, equipping churches, and, uh, you know, I know it's Kind of been Trinity over the last decade to really throw stones at, at the local church, and um, but what I've discovered as we've come down here is, um, and 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 by God's grace, we have an opportunity to to travel and 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 train churches in different parts of the U.S. And I am I'm so excited to see how God is moving through the local church that there are a lot of churches of all sizes that are passionate about. Re- the Great Commission and reaching lostness and equipping their people to be able to make disciples who make disciples and to begin to start churches um, that want to reach lostness in their community. And that's really been a surprise for me. I mean, we're seeing it in the Bible. We're seeing it happen overseas. But to begin to see uh, this move among churches in the United States is uh, is really surprising to us and, and, of course, obviously very exciting.
0: Yeah. So, You know, most of the people who listen to this show are called into the marketplace Mm -hmm. and they operate there. They may also be involved in a local church or something like that. But sometimes that can be challenging and it can be discouraging. What would you tell somebody who is called to the marketplace, but they're starting to wonder if what they're doing for the kingdom really matters?
1: Oh, man. Well, if you're in the marketplace, you're around people who are in the marketplace that are far from God. And I would imagine a lot of those people are not going to step foot in a church. And so you are in a mission field within that marketplace where God wants to use you as his ambassador to reach them. Um, and I would assume that <laughs> you're the one that he wants to use. And so that can be intimidating. But I hope that, you, that they would receive that as, as, as enthusiasm, as, uh, you know, with enthusiasm as Um, You know, just like in in Acts 16, Lydia, the businesswoman, you know, God used her to reach a number of people um, as a person, as a business person. And uh, so I would say that people in the marketplace, um, that that mission field is ripe. And uh, God wants to use um, believers who are in the marketplace to reach those around them.
0: All right. Thanks for sharing that. With that, I would like to go ahead and transition to the speed round. This is where I get to ask you a series of questions and you give us your amazing answers. Does that sound like a plan?
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay.
0: So what's one thing you wish you would have known before you started out?
1: <laughs> oh man, I wish I could have seen uh, the whole plan laid out, <laughs> but we've had to learn it step by step by step as we fail forward.
0: Looking back over the years, what's one thing you wish you would have done differently?
1: Mm, I wish I would have asked more questions about ministry um, sooner instead of just thinking I knew it all.
0: Wow, that's powerful. What's the best advice you've ever received? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, man.
0: Yeah, I know. Deep questions for a quick answer, <laughs> huh?
1: <laughs> I know. Um. Some of the best advice i've ever received um, I think just the counsel to uh, that my my family is my first ministry that's
0: that's <laughs> a very good one that's that's one that's so easy to forget, especially the way as as North Americans as the way we tend to be wired and think of personal success as opposed to planting something and watching it grow that's that's deep. Can you share? Now, you've already shared some, but perhaps there's another, a personal habit or something that you strongly believe contributes to what God's done in and through your lives?
1: Mm. I think uh, in addition to the the daily abiding in Christ personally um, and the prayer for, for lostness, I think making sure to, to posture ourselves as learners from what God is doing, I feel like that's, you know, as... We call ourselves movement catalysts. I guess is how you'd categorize us, and um, I feel like our primary role in that is to discover what God is doing, um, where is God moving, and when we when we find it, there's certain things we're looking for. When we find it, our role is to pray for it and serve it like crazy and learn from it. So I think um, rather than prescribing a method or a strategy and, and, and then say, okay, this is it. I think we've got to really learn from what is God actually doing. And, um, and that comes by, you know, engaging yourself, but uh, it also comes from, from learning from others, uh, and asking lots of questions of people that are also engaged in the ministry.
0: All right. Do you have an internet resource, maybe something that you use that you could share with our listeners?
1: Um, I found movements.net, uh, Steve Addison's blog, to be really a helpful source of information and, uh, and stories from what God's doing around the world as it relates to movements.
0: Oh, that's great. Actually, Steve Addison was a guest on the show a few weeks ago, so it's Mm. it's great to get that connection back to his website. So thanks for sharing that. Mm -hmm. And do you have one book that you would recommend for our listeners? One. Um, There's a lot, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, I guess I'll, I'll recommend a PDF and I'll recommend a book. Okay. Um, the book I would recommend is, is Church Planting Movements by David Garrison, which okay. um, gives, gives principles on just, but it, it just gives a, a snapshot of what, what God is, seems to be doing around the world today. Um, and then uh, it's a free PDF um, called the, the Four Fields of, of Kingdom Growth by Nathan Shank and his wife Carrie. And um, it's, a, it's a free PDF, and it's, um, it's a resource that's basically a self-discovery guide to help equip people in how to um, multiply disciples in churches.
0: Okay, that's great. You know, it seems like you're just hitting all of my former guests. Actually, at the time we're recording this, David Garrison's interview just went up uh 2 days ago or 3 days ago. Uh oh, wow. we we talked about his new book which is uh A Wind in the House of Islam. Amazing yeah. stories of what God's been doing. Uh for those who are listening, All of this stuff will be linked up at engagingmissions.com slash Troy Cooper. So you can check out the show notes there if you're driving to work or working out or something like that. Please don't try and text yourself while you're driving. Just stop by and pick that up later. Now, Troy, we're going to go ahead and transition one more time. We're going to go a little bit deeper for maybe Uh one or two more questions, and then we'll we'll be done. What would you tell somebody who's living here in the U.S., and they look up and they realize that their neighbors, maybe their coworkers, are becoming more and more people who we might have thought of just a few years ago as living in a missionary country? In other words, a place where we would send missionaries, not people we interact with. What would you share with
1: mm-hmm. them? Oh, man, I would, I would encourage them to, to really believe um, what God believes about them, and that is uh, that, that God loves those, that neighbor. And uh, he sent his son Jesus to die for that neighbor. And uh, he wants to use that individual to reach that neighbor with the gospel. And, um, and that I believe God would want to use that, that neighbor uh, to then go back and, and reach their friends and their family and that community with the gospel. And uh, I think people don't often see themselves as ambassadors of Jesus like he calls us in, in 2 Corinthians 5 and uh so just to to really challenge them to um to see themselves as god sees them but also to encourage them um that he wants to use them and uh so i mean a practical step is is to begin praying for that individual as a family and uh, to i would say if it's a next door neighbor to really to get to know them take the time to learn about them and get to know them and um, but look for opportunities to, to share the gospel. Um, people coming from other countries often don't receive much interaction with or hospitality from, from Americans. And, uh, so to be able to, as a follower of Jesus, represent that to them and show them, um, the love of Christ by, by you know, loving them, but also by sharing the gospel. Um, I believe God wants to use them in that way.
0: Uh, wow, that, that's amazing. Uh, do you, can you give us maybe one parting piece of guidance and the best way for people to connect with you? Then we'll say goodbye.
1: Okay. Yeah, I would say um, God wants to use you to make his name great among the nations, including here in the United States. Um, and he wants to use your children. Uh, he wants to use you as a family. If you've got a family. Uh, we've seen God use our, our nine-year-old, um, pray for and lead some kids to Christ at his local skate park and disciple them. We've seen him use um, our eight-year-old, train other kids in, um, in uh, children's ministry how to, how to share the gospel. Um, we, we've seen God use our kids to start uh, evangelistic Bible study at their school. With uh, 80 kids are coming and hearing the gospel um, and, and so I believe God wants to use you in that way and, and he wants to use you as a family in that way and um, a, uh, if you want to learn more about, about how to do that feel free to, to check out our website coopersonamission.com uh, and there's a lot of other resources and networks and, and, and people who can equip you uh, that are connected with that website as well but, um, but I'd, I'd say, man, start, to, start to, to, to see yourself as God sees you and, and begin to live out the mission God's called you to.
0: That's, that's great, Troy. Thank you so much for being with us today, for sharing everything that you shared. I, I really appreciate it. Thanks, Brian. You're welcome. I really hope that you enjoyed this time with Troy Cooper as much as I did. As I mentioned during the interview, you can find show notes at engagingmissions.com slash Cooper. Or slash 58 as in episode 58. That's where you'll find links to all of the resources, everything that we talked about, and also the Coopers website. And if you're at all interested in what the Coopers are doing, whether you want to do that kind of thing or whether you just want to connect with them, I would suggest that you go ahead and connect with them. And while you're at it, go ahead and check out his really cool beard. Uh, it's this the kind of thing that is just an amazing beard. I, I think you have to see it to believe it. And I would love it if you would go ahead and leave a comment about about your your thoughts and your insights from this episode in the show notes at missions dot com slash troy cooper. Thanks for listening to the Engaging Missions show. You can find more great content like this, along with show notes, by visiting EngagingMissions.com or by subscribing to the show in iTunes or Stitcher. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us an honest rating and review in iTunes by visiting EngagingMissions.com iTunes. Audio editing for this program was provided by Jeff Butterworth of Sound Paradigm Studios. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back next week.